Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. It is Thursday, the 23rd of January, 2020. This is Morning to Carmen. I'm your host, Carmen LaBerge. I hope that you have already greeted the Lord this morning, that you uh, that you woke up and told him you were glad to be alive, that you acknowledge that this is the day that the Lord has made, um, that he will be glorified in it, and you will rejoice in it because he is present and real. Like, right, no matter what happens today, this is the day the Lord has made. And no matter what happens today, we are the Lord's in the midst of it. And so uh, my encouragement today is to lead a life that is worthy of the gospel. Lead a life that is worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. Lead a life that is worthy of the claim that you're a Christian. So when I claim to be a Christian I am recognizing that this life is no longer mine to live, but Christ to live in and through me. So what does that look like? I mean, what, is it, what does it look like for me to be dead to self and alive to Christ, to, to actually offer him moment by moment in joyful submission to the work of the Holy Spirit within me? What does it look like to be Christ's person in the world today? I mean, that is the question that you and I ask ourselves, um, hopefully, uh, that we ask ourselves each and every day or ev- each and every moment. In this moment, how are you Christ's person in the world? In this moment, how is your life animated by Jesus Christ? Um, that's really uh, the substance of being a Christian in the world. And certainly we're going to get to live in the kingdom of heaven forever as Christians. That is great and glorious, but in the here and now, we are ambassadors of that king and that kingdom. In the here and now, we are ministers of that gospel. We are agents of that grace. We are cultivators of that peace. Like, that's who we are and what we're doing in the world. If you've ever wondered, what in the world am I in the world to do? If you're a Christian, you are in the world to represent Christ every day, in every way, in every conversation, thought, word, and deed. Um, and so when Jesus you know, reminds us that the first and greatest commandment is that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind and all our strength, or with everything that we think, um, think and do. You know, he is acknowledging that we are called to be like him in this way, that uh, that the substance of who we are, and then um, the the things that we would do in the world would be those things that reveal and glorify God. So uh, today, you are a revealer and glorifier of God. Well, actually, in glorifying God, you will reveal him. Like, that's this really cool way that the Holy Spirit works in the sanctified and sanctifying um, life of the Christian. Okay, this is the week of the March for Life. It is taking place uh, in Washington, D.C. Many of our friends are even now gathering at events in the lead-up to the march. 
Uh, and something really unprecedented is going to happen at the annual event um, tomorrow. And, you know, again, it hasn't happened yet. So I'm always I'm always reticent to announce that something is happening before it has happened. But here's what is going to happen tomorrow. Like, I mean, you know, assuming that the Lord doesn't come between now and then. Uh, here's the announcement from the March for Life president, uh, Jeannie Mancini. We are deeply honored to welcome President Trump to the 47th annual March for Life. Let me just tell you, friends, this has never happened before. Uh, president Trump would be the very first president in history to personally attend the March for Life. It's never happened before. In the 47 years of the March for Life, never has a sitting president uh, addressed the march, attended the march, championed the pro-life cause. And so uh, certainly want to we want to honor that this is even planned. And then uh, once it has happened, we will we'll cover it. We'll celebrate it. We'll acknowledge that um, this is this is really this is really significant. Uh, so. Uh, let's see. Uh, he um, the president also and this is kind of exciting for those of you who heard my conversation with Matthew Sleeth. This goes back a ways. But we talked with Matthew Sleeth about the need for people to be planting trees. And the reason that we need to be planting trees is that, you know, trees are actually um, the best defense against, um, is it carbon dioxide or carbon monoxide? It must be carbon dioxide. Uh, because they actually, like, right, it's the oxygen that we breathe. And so they process it. And it's, it, it, you know me, I'm not super sciencey. But that's, this is a cool thing. Well, the president has on the on behalf of the United States of America joined the World Economic Forum's One Trillion Trees initiative. And so um, I, I'm looking forward at some point in the future to following up with Matthew Sleeth about why this matters and why it's so cool. Um, today, I'm going to be talking with Ben Johnson. We are going to be talking a little bit more about what President Trump said at Davos, particularly in relationship to the rejection of the prophets of doom. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. is my right, a right given by God, to live a free life, to live in freedom. Joining me now, Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute. You can find what Ben is writing at Acton, A-C-T-O-N dot O-R-G. He's got a piece up called Trump to Davos, Reject the Prophets of Doom. Ben, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. I am I am with you and the president rejecting the prophets of doom. And I'm so glad that he said what he said because they, he spoke just moments after Greta Thunberg uh, said that we have now less than eight years to save the world from complete annihilation. You might remember uh, almost exactly a year ago, uh, AOC said that we had 12 years. And then last April, Beto O'Rourke said we had 10 years. Now it's down to eight. I know they say in the last days time will increase and the days will be shortened, but I, I never expected to see it play out quite this way. So President Donald Trump uh, stood in front of Davos and world business and governments, uh, some of the most elite people in the world. And every year they release uh, a budget of the items that are most important to them. This year, all top five have to do with climate change. And he stood in front of them after Greta Thunberg received this uh, red carpet treatment and said, we have to reject, quote, the prophets of doom. 
uh, and uh, their predictions for the apocalypse. And he went on to go through all of the uh, the whole litany of failed environmental forecasts. He said they predicted an overpopulation crisis in the 60s, mass starvation in the 70s, and an end of oil in the 1990s. He went on to say that uh, the people who are behind these always have the exact same answer, which is they want absolute power, and this is a quote, to dominate, transform, and control every aspect of our lives. So uh, these radical socialists, as he said, are using this sort of idea that it's a global problem to try and concentrate power at a supranational governmental level to say that we have to sign on to international climate treaties that will redistribute wealth from uh, well-to-do nations to less well-to-do nations in order to fight climate change, when the answer, as you mentioned in your segment at the very beginning, is to sign on to planting more trees uh, and that in itself will have a massive effect on uh, the actual CO2 uh, net emissions. But instead, uh, they, they look for this as a way of transforming the economy, as uh, AOC's former chief of staff, uh, Chakrits uh, Sakrabadi, admitted that uh, this was a how-do-you-transform-the-economy kind of thing rather than a how-do-you-save-the-earth kind of thing. So um, I, this was a splendid speech. He stood up for innovation. He said that ultimately... Uh, we have the ability and the power through the power of technology, through creative minds to overcome problems like overpopulation, a lack of food supply every single time from Thomas Malthus to uh, Paul Ehrlich to the modern prophets of doom. Every time they say we're going to run out of resources, human ingenuity has risen to the case. And uh, quite often it's been religious people who have found the way to move forward. That, so we have technology that will be able to accommodate all of God's children on our planet. So, Ben, here's one of the, I think, surprising things um, about just sort of the confluence of events, because at the time that the president is addressing the World Economic Forum and talking about um, this very positive possible future, how we can not only get there as the United States of America, but how we can all get there together, um, you know, encouraging other nations to embrace a positive possible future versus you know, what the what the prophets of doom are saying, you know, at precisely the same time, you know, he is on the you know, it's not halfway around the world, but over here uh, in the United States of America facing a, a you know, he's the subject of an impeachment trial. And it it just it, the I, I, I thought, this juxtaposition yeah. I thought was it, it was astonishing. I did, too. And I was so I, I was really um, enamored of the fact that he spoke so boldly uh, mm -hmm. without making any reference to this whatsoever. He was speaking up about a very positive uh, form of, uh, of the global future. And I think a lot of this comes from the fact that he used to sit in the pew and listen every Sunday to Norman Vincent Peale. I think that there's a lot of truth in that, that that sort of uh, power of positive thinking and uh, the, the Christian message behind that. Uh, deeply pervaded his his uh, point of view. Uh, this was, I think, uh, quite possibly the second best speech of his entire presidency. Next to the, the speech in Warsaw was a, a broad defense of all of Western civilization. This is narrowly economic because he was speaking to the World Economic Forum. But uh, not only does he say we need to forego listening to the prophets of doom, that the world is going to be destroyed, but then he gives this forthright defense of capitalism, the free market, of freeing up people from regulation and taxes. And he says, we have unleashed American creativity in the market. And we and look at the results. He said, you know, this is a market model of exactly how every other nation can do this. And then I, I was also enamored of the fact that at the end he said, but you have to, you have to govern according to your 
desires and the, the will of your citizens, and I have to govern according to the will of mine. But look at the results of our model versus your model. So I, I thought that uh, he's really laying down two paths for people to choose. Okay, so when we come back from the break, Ben, I want to highlight something else the president has recently done, um, and that is this, through his administration, this update on uh, related to prayer in public schools. And so um, I just want to talk about the release of the of the guidance that the Trump administration is now providing related to prayer in public schools. And then I'm just going to talk with you a little bit more about education. I'm talking with Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute. You can find him at Acton, A-C-T-O-N dot O-R-G. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Ben Johnson, he tweets at the right rights writer. Uh, you can also find him at the Acton Institute um, online at acton.org. Uh, the 22nd of January, the president de- declared, proclaimed to be National Sanctity of Human Life Day. Back on January the 16th, the president declared Religious Freedom Day. This is more than pandering. Like, he seems aligned with, uh, with, frankly, agenda items that I really like. He's really meeting where the rubber meets the road. He is there, more so than any other Republican president. Uh, you know, even Ronald Reagan didn't address the March for Life in person. So uh, this is historic and monumental, provided that it occurs tomorrow. And then um, the very fact that he's proclaiming uh, an update to religious liberty guidelines for schools and funding streams, these are all incredibly important, and uh, you know, when it comes to results, whether it's the Supreme Court or whether it's uh, defunding uh, various uh, anti-life programs, he has been as good as his word. And I didn't necessarily think that was going to be the case in 2016. Yeah, I think there's no question that if you are concerned about religious freedom in America and you are concerned about the issues of life, you know, this is your president. Um, and so even as the impeachment trial was getting underway, uh, the president of the United States was ordering an update uh, to some 2003 guidance on school prayer. And um, let's just talk. We're now a week. We're now a week into that. You know, what are you hearing, Ben, in terms of um, people's reaction response to, you know, what does this say about uh, public school is public school, and we recognize that, but people ought to be free to exercise their liberty, even in the context of something that's funded by the government. Isn't, I mean, is that essentially the message? It really is. There have been so many misconceptions about the right uh, of students, Christian students, and people of all religion to exercise their religion in the schoolhouse. Uh, I remember, in fact, when I was a, a child, that uh, even discussing religious things privately amongst ourselves was actively discouraged. So uh, this is an incredible step forward. This guidance says, and I quote, students and teachers do not shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. Uh, It's it's a remarkable document that goes through uh, updating the guidance, which was last updated in 2003, uh, and says that students have the right, they always have the right to speak uh, about religious subjects as they could speak about any other subjects during uh, in a non-disruptive way. They have the right to read the Bible, to pray privately, to pray together. The Christian organizations have every right to uh, advertise their activities, to meet on school grounds, the same as any other 
secular organization, and that teachers have these rights, provided that they don't compel others, that they can pray privately or in their own private capacity and read the scriptures. So uh, this is updating uh, this guidance. But in addition to this, every school district that receives federal funding has to certify by October 1st every single year that they are abiding by all of these guidelines, that they are respecting religious liberty. Now, the previous administration wanted to deny federal funding to uh, to school districts that didn't want to allow boys and girls to go to the same locker room. This or, this uh, administration is saying that any organization or school district that doesn't respect constitutional liberty will not receive federal funding. This is a sea change, and it's one that we can be most uh, emphatically on board with. So let's encourage our listeners. Um, we want you to actually read and make use of this U.S. Department of Education guidance on constitutionally protected prayer and religious expression in public elementary and secondary schools. Um, I actually want you to go and print it out. Um, if you, I mean, if you just Google um, the prayer guidance, like this is what's going to come up, um, especially if you put the like Trump prayer guidance, this is what's going to come up. The U.S. Department of Education, it's, it's published on their website. I recommend you print it out. And you personally take it to the principal of your local schools. Um, take it to them. Just be sure they're aware of it and, and say, hey, if you need a local resource, I, I'll be your local resource. I will I will sit with you and be your Christian foil in talking about this um, here at our local elementary, middle or high school. Um, you know, this is this is an opportunity for Christians to take something good that the government has done um, and celebrate it locally and then be sure that it is appropriately implemented in your local school right where you live. Ben, anything else you want to add to this? And I know we've got we've got this whole other conversation about SCOTUS taking up this, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States taking up this um, this case of, a, of, of schools and school vouchers, but we might have to push that conversation to next week. We can do that. The, the one thing that I would uh, just add to what you would say to amplify it is I would encourage everyone who is listening, this is an unbelievable uh, step forward for our government. Write an email to Betsy DeVos and thank her for promulgating this. Uh, her email is betsy.devos at ed.gov. So betsy.devos at ed.gov. Thank her for this. She's under fire uh, incredibly on every front for supporting school choice, for supporting religious liberty, uh, for uh, just the very fractious nature of our partisan politics. So if you don't thank her for this, you shouldn't thank anyone and don't ask the government to do anything for you ever again. Okay, give us the email address one more time. Betsy.devos at ed.gov. I'm giving, I'm sending her an email right now. Okay, Betsy.devos at ed.gov. Um, let's be mindful that um, Betsy DeVos is, uh, is, a, is a practicing Christian. Um, she's a sister in Christ, and she's somebody that you should be praying for every day because um, her job is hard and she's under continual attack. So in addition to your email, send up a prayer uh, to the Father in heaven. Uh, so Betsy.DeVos at ed.gov. Ben, thank you for that encouragement. Thank you for um, what you do every single day. Uh, and we look forward to talking with you again next week. Thank you for everything you do. And uh, may God bless you and everyone listening to Faith Radio Networks. Have a great day, my brother. We'll be right back. You too. So you and I both know that uh, the fires have been raging across the bush of Australia. It's a it's a nation. It's also a continent. Um, and many of you have asked, hey, you know, what can we do or how is the church responding? 
Well, we have a conversation with Nikki Seeley, the Global Projects Communication Manager for Hillsong Social Justice. It's a it's an enormous church. You might know it best for its like musical footprint around the world. Um, But Hillsong is a congregation of people. And so, you know, they have sent word out to their congregants and they are responding to the needs of their neighbors. And we just thought it would be uh, interesting and illuminating to hear an update from Hillsong about what they are doing in their local community across the continent of Australia in response to the bushfires there. So Nikki Seeley up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So there's a there's a connection between our heads and our hearts and our hands. And there's a connection between um, the way we think about things and those things we confess and then those things that we in turn support. And so, you know, I think that there are times that people think, gosh, those who do ministry at some point, it must get awkward to ask others to support them. And let me just say it never gets awkward. Um, I am. I am joyful about what we're doing here uh, at the Faith Radio Network. I love my job. Um, And I appreciate that you listen. And if you listen, and if you um, benefit from what we do here on air every day, then we invite you to become a part of the community of people who supports this ministry. And we certainly want you to support your local church first. uh, That's the commitment of each of us as well. Um, But if you benefit from this ministry, if you um, are encouraged and inspired each and every day to lead a life worthy of the gospel because you are, um, you know, you're listening and it's it's changing the way you think about things. It's changing the way you see things and um, it's providing you something that you can then pass along to others. Hey, we just appreciate it if you would go to MyFaithRadio.com and become uh, a part of the Faith Radio giving community. So all aboard. Uh, This is your opportunity to join us as we labor together in this garden, uh, in this culture garden where God has placed us in this generation. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and we will be right back. The world our kids live in today is far different from the one you and I grew up in. As kids move into their teen years, they face unimaginable pressure to turn away from the values you've worked so hard to instill in their lives. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Raising kids in church, homeschool, or a Christian school is no guarantee they'll turn out to be the godly, refined adult that you're hoping for. In fact, many parents wake up one morning to discover that their teen has changed into a person they don't even know. Is that your experience? Doing everything right only to find it didn't work? Teens today need moms and dads who are constantly adjusting their parenting style to fit the times. If things aren't working, don't keep doing what you've always done. Change it up. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. I'm delighted to be joined by Nikki Seeley. Uh, She works in the communications area for Hillsong. And we're going to let we're going to let Nikki tell us about Hillsong in addition to the work that Hillsong is doing uh, across Australia 
in response to the brush fires there. So Nikki, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much, Carmen. I really appreciate being a part of this show today. Absolutely. It's delightful. As soon as I say Hillsong, our audience is going to start singing. Um, And so (laughs) I think it would be helpful for you to give people a little bit of a scope of understanding um, from where you sit, what is Hillsong? Well, um, Hillsong, from my personal experience, is my home church. So we often, as Hillsong Church people, um, talk about it as a small church um, with a lot of people. (laughs) So our church spans several countries around the world, um, and it's um, it's quite big in reach, but it's a predominantly a local church, and it started in the Hills District, um, which is a, a small district in the Hills in the northwest of Sydney. And, um, and so we are just a church who loves God and loves people, and that happens to be in a lot of places around the world today. So, and, and as you guys would know, um, our music has spanned across the world, and we can we are privileged and honoured for it to be heard in, in places and, and large urban centres as well as villages across um, the continents of Africa and, um, and the subcontinent and South America. And, and obviously um, our church um, worship teams have travelled extensively across the US as well. So, um, But predominantly we're just a church who loves God and loves people and wants to see him glorified. So that's who we are really in a nutshell. And we are privileged to have pastors um, in senior pastors, Brian and Bobby Houston, who um, have really sown into so many people around the world and have sought and followed Jesus for all their lives. So we are privileged to be a part of it. So thank you for um, for leading off with that. I always, uh, I'm mindful that when we talk about the good that is being done, it's important to you know, anchor it in the community um, that's Mm. doing the good work. And so thank you so much for, um, for sharing that. So Nikki, uh, Mm -hmm. tell us what you, what you do at Hillsong, because in addition to it being your home church, it's also at some level your workplace. So tell us, um, tell us what you're doing there and then tell us um, what Hillsong is doing in response to the brush fires in, uh, throughout Australia. Yeah, for sure. So my role at Hillsong is in our um, social justice department um, called City Care, and our social justice department oversees all of our initiatives as a church, both locally and globally, in what we do in the community. Um, and it also looks after the partnerships we have with other organisations um, globally, as well as our local um, partnerships here in across all of our states in Australia. So. Um, in terms of what I do day to day, it's just getting the message out of what we are contributing to as a church and what um, what we have an opportunity to partner with other organisations in. So in terms of our bushfire crisis, it's very real place for a lot of people. Um, our church, um, it, it, I don't think it's some, a crisis that hasn't touched anyone in some way or another. Um, this crisis started several months ago and obviously you may or may not know that the country's been in drought for several years and it's just getting worse and worse. Um, so coming to in a, coming into a very hot and dry summer season, um, it was very soon apparent that these fires were going to just rage out of control. Um, so unfortunately we saw in the last several weeks you know, 12 million hectares burned, um, at least 25 people killed, 1,700 homes lost, 
hundreds of communities ravaged by the devastation. And, and of course, not forgetting the uh, what experts are estimating about 1.25 billion wildlife um, killed. So, and those populations, we don't know whether they will recover fully. So it's a, it's quite a huge scale that we are, um, we're, we as a church and others are endeavouring to respond to. Um, so in our church, um, I think it's it's really wonderful that the body of Christ is is so diverse, and every church responds differently. Every church um, is doing their part and has different mandates, different strengths and capacities, and ways of mobilising those strengths. Um, for our church, we have a, a twofold approach, um, which not just looks after the immediate needs um, of communities, but also the long term recovery and well being of those who are suffering. So. Um, as a church, we've come together over the last um, several weeks and um, decided to raise an appeal within our congregation and through our global campuses as well um, to reach and, um, the immediate needs and the long-term goals of community. So we've been able to raise through the generosity of our church 1.2 million Australian dollars um, to support firefighters and people directly affected. Mm. Um, so, but that, you know, that's a lot of money to deal with <laughs> and it's a lot that people in our congregation are expecting us to be diligent with. So we want to um, honour that trust that they've given us and so we carefully have considered where we want to put their money and um, so we've been able to quickly resource key and trusted organisations on the ground and we're partnering with them to get the funds to where it's needed most. Um, so these things are... So um, one of the organisations is the Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. um, they are a very well-trusted uh, faith-based organisation here in Australia and um, they've already been able to mobilise hundreds of volunteers and fire-affected communities to bring food, safe drinking water, shelter, chaplaincy, counselling to a lot of people in those areas. And, um, and they also have a long-term recovery response as well, which we consider as a church very important because churches are in the community for the long haul. So we want to do what we can as well to to look after that long those long-term needs. So that's the Salvation Army and we've been able to distribute to them very quickly um, about $600,000 to support their recovery efforts. That is awesome. And then there's, yeah, it is, and they um, are able to get it out quickly. So that's mm -hmm. really key. Um, so, Nikki, and the other gonna, one is, yeah. you and I are going to, we're going to pause for just a second. We have to take a break here in the middle of the program. Sure. But when we come back, I'm going to continue my conversation with Nikki Seeley. She's the Glo Global Projects Communications Manager for Hillsong Social Justice. Um, and we are talking about the bushfire relief efforts across Australia. And we will be right back. Mm. Continuing my conversation now with Nikki Seeley. She's the Global Projects Communications Manager for Hillsong. Now, you recognize Hillsong um, as a source of great music, great worship music. Hillsong is also a local congregation uh, based in Sydney, Australia. And we are talking today with Nikki, who is not only uh, a member of Hillsong, but a member of uh, the leadership team there as well. Um, Nikki, you were filling us in on bushfire relief efforts through the, you know, through the ministry of Hillsong and your people and the generosity of 
of your people. We recognize that there are lots of folks doing lots of different things, and we thought it would be helpful to touch base and find out what uh, you know, what some of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are doing. Mm-hmm. So thank you for indulging us in this conversation today. Um, so in My addition pleasure. to the Salvation Army, you were uh, you mm-hmm. were about to share with us another um, mm-hmm. uh, another collaborative partner with whom you're working. Yes. Um, Food Bank New South Wales, it's a fantastic organization that is also very, um, has been forming part of the official Bushfire Emergency Response Network here in Australia. And they do incredible work um, providing meals and food and essential supplies to the stricken areas. Um, So Food Bank is actually delivering exactly what is needed, where it's needed. And and we were having conversations with them earlier in the week, our team, and they're saying, we're just on a truck. We've got a semi-trailer load of of food that we're delivering into these areas right now. So um, they were extremely... um, grateful for what we've been able to provide for them very quickly. So they're able, and because of their partnership, in addition, in the food sector, they've been able to provide $6 worth of supply for every dollar donated. So for our, for, yeah, it's incredible. And um, because of that, we've given them $200,000 towards the mammoth task that they are carrying out during this crisis. So that's about an estimated $1.2 million worth of food and essential supplies that can be distributed um, to the bushfire regions. So that's fantastic as well. Um, that's just wonderful. So, um, mm. Nikki, for those of us who live in the United States, um, I will just admit to you that even the geography of of mm. Australia is a bit of a mystery to me. Um, <laughs> so when you, you know, if you look out the window in Sydney today, yeah. Um, Mm. can you still see smoke? Does it still smell smoky? I know that there have been, there has been some rain. Um, tell Mm. us a little bit about the current situation. Yeah. So at the moment, um, you may have seen on the news that we did have quite a big downpour of rain in the last week. Um, this was such a novel concept for us (laughs) because (laughs) we've been breathing in this, this very bad, um, smoke, um, even in our Sydney city area where I live. Um, which has been for weeks and weeks unrelenting. Um, but this rain has helped to ease that a little bit. And um, and for once I'm looking out and I'm seeing relatively blue sky. There's a little bit of smoke haze around, but not too much. Um, however, that rain is nowhere near enough to um, quench some of the fire regions. Some of it it has, but there's still 80 fires burning out of control at the moment. Um, and... We and some of this rain actually hampers some of the back back burning um, efforts that our firefighters are doing. So it's good and it's and it's not good enough almost. So we are still desperately praying for more rain to fall to fill up the dams. Um, the drought is we're still in a hundred percent drought in New South Wales in particular, but also across several other states. So yeah, we still need prayer. <laughs> we still need rain, and um, but it is good to see some green on the grass this week. So um, if folks want to visit Hillsong, let me just tell them it's hillsong.com. Um, there, uh, there's information there about the bushfire relief efforts. There's also, mm-hmm. you know, if I just click on the menu, the very first thing on the menu is Jesus. And yes. I think that's important, like, right? It's really important to note. Um, my family was in Australia, my extended family, not my immediate family, was in Australia over Christmas. And yeah. my sister, who lives in the American Southwest, 
really felt like, wow, Australia is a really Christian country. And so I just want to tell you that from the perspective of a person from the southwestern United States, um, where churches are, particularly evangelical churches, are few and far between, mm-hmm. she was really mm-hmm. overwhelmed um, and enjoyed herself very much. And they actually visited Hillsong on Christmas Day, I think. I don't think Christmas oh, Eve. I think, they, I think they were with you on Christmas Day. Um, right. And just just really, um, so just give us a little taste, give us a little sense of the Christian experience in Australia and the challenges that the church faces there. Well, um, to be honest, I don't feel like I'm terribly qualified to to comment on this from a Hillsong perspective, but I can from my, my own perspective. Just your own belief. perspective. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Um, I believe um, as being part of Hillsong Church for, you know, 18 years now, um, and I have had the privilege of of seeing family come and I've seen the church grown and the diversity within our church and young families and older people and um, families and single people and the youth coming through. And I feel like the church in Australia is in a healthy place. Um, There are there are, like I spoke before about the diversity of the body of Christ, there are small community churches in tiny country towns and there are urban churches like ours in sprawling cities. And we're all, um, I believe, in a healthy place as long as we're preaching Jesus and loving God and, and welcoming people and in opening the doors to whomsoever may come to the Lord. Um it's it's going to be a good church. And um, my prayer, my hope is that everyone that comes to Hillsong Church would experience that welcome home. In our foyers, our pastors um, created a, a sign that as soon as you walk through the doors of Hillsong Church, you see welcome home. And I can't tell you how many people have come through the doors for the first time and seen that and felt in their spirits, in their hearts, oh, my goodness, I actually do feel like I am home. It's a safe place. It's a secure place. It's a place where we can make family and put down roots and contribute to the life of the church and see it flourish and grow. So I feel like church is in a healthy place. Of course, Hillsong is not, um, is a, you know, has a large profile. And um, in this country, it has not been easiest, particularly for our pastors and have come under a lot of attack in recent years. And, um, but we stand firm with them and stand with them, knowing that they are good people and they love God and they are doing the best they can. And so we continue to support them and what um, our church is about. And, um, yeah, so I think it's uh, the Church of Jesus Christ in Australia is strong and healthy and it is, um, it is advancing the kingdom. Evidenced by the response of the church to the needs of neighbors. And so thank mm-hmm. you so much, Nikki. Um, what a pleasure to meet you over the air. I uh, look forward to meeting yes. you in the kingdom of heaven one day. Um, Nikki yes. Seeley from Hillsong Church in Australia, just giving us a report on um, on the bushfire relief efforts there. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. It's my pleasure, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Have a blessed day. You too. We'll be right back. Okay, so when we think about the bushfires in Australia and when we think about what's sometimes inflamed in our own hearts or in our own conversations or in that which is going on around us, I don't know about you, but fire always, pretty much in any environment, 
does make my mind run to the Holy Spirit. And I can't help but um, remember that on Pentecost, or at Pentecost, maybe that's a better way to say that, (laughs) at an event we call Pentecost, following the ascension of Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit descends upon the gathered community of believers, at that point, more than just the 12 disciples that, you know, in Acts chapter 2, it talks about some 120 people being gathered together. It's, a, it's upon this group that the Holy Spirit, I don't know, descends, arrives, blows through like a wind. There's, it's, so, it's such a noisy wind that it attracts people from across Jerusalem to the house, to the upper room where they're gathered. And what is observed is what is described as tongues of fire. And these tongues of fire um, rest upon or alight upon or it's hard to imagine quite what this might have looked like, right? So we're trying to describe a reality that is indescribable. But somehow these people are aflame. They are on fire, not in the same way that then, um, let's say, Emperor Nero took that and really in a grotesque manner lit Christians um, on fire and put them on sticks to light the, light the streets of Rome. We're talking here about the way our lives are illuminated by the Holy Spirit. So are you on fire today? Are you on fire for Jesus Christ? How is your life inflamed by the gospel? You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. We've got another hour up next. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.